0: Thanks for listening and supporting the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. This episode is sponsored by Redmond's Real Salt. If you follow my work on Nutrition with Judy, you know that I'm a big fan of using unrefined salts and one of my favorites is Redmond's. Redmond's was one of the main sponsors of the Carnivore 75 Heart Initial Challenge. Redmond's not only has salts, they also have organic seasonings which my husband uses all the time to cook with and they also have toothpaste or earth paste that has no fluoride or chemicals and toxins. I love using earth paste with my kids and even on myself. We also use their facial detoxing supports like their facial mud and bentonite clay. They also have clay baby powder that is safer than conventional baby powders. And most of all, they have my favorite carnivore shirt and sweatshirts that I love to wear while working offline. I'm sure by now most of you use Redmond Salt, but if you haven't checked out all their other goods, make sure to go to redmond.life and at checkout use code NWJ to get 15% off your purchase. Make sure to check out Redmond's and let's get back to the show. Laura and I are just going to be talking really candid. This is
1: what this podcast is all about. It's It's one thing to say, I want to eat something else that's not meat. It's a whole nother thing to say, you need to eat something else
0: that's not meat. If you notice that you're jumping from diet to diet, at a certain point, you have to wonder, the only common denominator is me
1: get outside, go for a walk, get some vitamin D, breathe some fresh air, uh, and and stay happy and healthy and and take care of yourselves. Let's just have some
0: real talk. (laughs) Welcome to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. Hey, guys, welcome back to Cutting Against the Grain podcast. Um, My name is Judy Cho, and I'm here with my co-host, Laura Spath. Hey, Laura, I know you are literally just dropping your bags and (laughs) recording
1: this while you're in Denver. So um, how was your flight? It was good. I thought I was going to come to Denver for a week and escape the heat from Phoenix, but it's going to be 100 degrees here, which is, I think that's like record high for Denver, but it's like 120 almost in Phoenix this week. So I guess it is a little cooler. Um, I keep getting delayed when I went to your house, I was, my flight was delayed like several hours. And then today somehow I got here like an hour late too. So I had to scramble a little bit to get hooked up so we could still do this.
0: So in this conversation um, today, we're going to talk about traveling and carnivore and how we eat carnivore. And so this is, I know really your kind of specialty since for many, for most of the time you've been carnivore, you've been traveling pretty often, right?
1: Yeah, I used to travel for my job pretty regularly. And so when I was in the process of losing all my weight, I was traveling, um, having to do group functions quite a bit, group dinners, like business dinners, um, places where they were catering food a lot, flying all over the country. And I lost most of my weight during that time. Uh, obviously, for the last year and a half, I've been at home, which is probably why I've struggled. But I feel like I thrive. I have no snacks in my hotel room right now. And so this is where, this is where I thrive and can avoid a lot of temptations. Um, and so I'm actually excited. I just got a new position. I got a promotion and a new job. So I'll be back traveling some Uh, And I'm kind of excited to get back in the routine and see what that does for me now that I'm maybe in a better place. We'll see. Well, congratulations with your new
0: job. I'm excited for you. But um, tell us a little bit about like what that looks like. So when you travel, typically at the airports, a lot of people snack, people eat food on the plane. So how does your travel week or, you know, how do you prepare for traveling?
1: Well, I don't know about you, but I guess let's say like old me, and maybe we'll talk about our bad habits a little bit. Old okay. me is somebody who used to go shopping for snacks before a flight. Like, I also flew when I was a full blown carb eater and I loved it. Like, I love traveling for very different <laughs> reasons, mainly because you could eat a lot and nobody knows what you're eating. And so I would go and, you know, my job gives me food or money to expense for meals. And so, like, that is not a limp. That's a goal of like spending the max amount of money that you can on food that they're going to reimburse. And so I definitely maximized that. Um, and I was somebody who would fly and eat the entire flight. Like you had to have a bag of snacks, you had to have your meal, and then you just literally eat the entire flight. And then when you land whoever you're going to meet is like, oh, you must be exhausted from traveling. Let's go get some food. And you're like, yes, I am. I don't know. Do you do that at all? Um, So
0: I I did. But you know, so when I used to travel for work every week, um, they also gave us a stipend. I would totally rack up charges. And especially if I was binging, like that was kind of the bad about traveling alone especially because then i would land it would be late and i'm like i'm gonna be good and i'm not gonna eat anything bad and then i'd pass by like a mcdonald's or something and then i'm like i'm just gonna get one small thing and then obviously it like would lead to many things and then knowing that there's no burden with the card i would just spend it all and yeah it was actually really interesting um one, one time um, I got audited by a project and they're like, you spent 30 something dollars at a CVS, like, was this personal use? And then I had to fess up to my partner that I had an eating disorder because they didn't believe the charges. And it was the most horrific experience. And luckily that was close to the end of my career. But yeah, that was a uh, pretty, pretty shameful. But I do remember them auditing my expenses and they're like, what are all these charges at CVS, Walmart, et cetera? And yeah, I just had to come clean and say, look, I have an eating disorder. And then it made sense.
1: For different, I mean, for the same reasons of like just eating nonstop, right? I would love this moment of going to the gas station as soon as I landed and or a Walmart or or a CVS, right? I could easily spend $30 on snacks at yeah. a CVS and then just go back to the hotel and spread everything out on the bed and watch TV and just eat. and And that was it. And we both kind of have that same beginning uh, obviously and like yes. those same those same tendencies of like finding food and hiding in those same negative behaviors and so switching that mindset because getting on an airplane used to be very triggering for me of okay where's my food or the minute you land and you get in your rental car and you're thinking about where do I go get snacks and right. now all of a sudden you're alone and I can't go straight to Like, there are certain places in the country, like, there's White Castles on the East Coast. We don't have those where I live. So, like, there's certain routines in different cities that I had, and there's just, it's really hard to break those routines. And so, it did take me a long time to not um, feel that way and to break a lot of those habits and routines. And I think some places, like, geographically, you know, or different places around the country, you think, like, I can only get this food here, like, I have to partake in it now, It wasn't the specialty food from the East Coast. It was food at CVS.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, I had the same thing where I would go to Rite-It. It It had the thrifty ice cream. And then 7-Eleven was kind of the place that I would stop at at any Um, I guess any city um, that I was traveling to or, you know, some type of kind of quick, fast uh, convenience store. And it was like, Oh, I wonder what kind of snacks they have there. And so it totally changed for me as well. So like now when I get on the plane, uh, luckily, I had a big break because of the babies. So for me, there was a break like a physical and time break. And now it's different. So often when I travel, it's with the family. And so sometimes I bring beef jerky instead, or sometimes um, I'll bring something else. But And even in the beginning, I think I was just fast. Like, how do you do it now?
1: It was fasting for me that broke a lot of those habits. It was not buying the food in the airport. It was not buying snacks to take ahead of time. Um, I will say in the very beginning, before I broke those habits, I needed something to replace them. So instead of eating candy and salty stuff and sweets and treats on the plane, I was eating homemade jerky. I was eating those foods originally. I was taking those things with me because... When my body was freaking out and thinking that I needed food because I always had food in this moment, I had to have a replacement that was a good thing and that was something that was safe. And so maybe that was cheese or maybe that was um, some, some kind of meat or I would overpay for a burger patty in the airport or the minute I landed, I would still go find food, but it would be an approved food over time as i got more confident in my food choices i really believe it's fasting that broke a lot of those obsessive eating tendencies overeating mindless eating nonstop eating and and then i really looked forward to fasting you know the last couple of years fasting i think is what brought me out of a lot of that stuff and really kind of saved me from that i now could travel all day long and not eat anything until i get to my destination and then i mean honestly Before, I would say in 2019, I operated best when I did a 48-hour fast and my travel day was the no food day because not one time in that whole day did I have to spend money on food or go out of my way to find food or I'm in a new place, where can I eat, what's going on and where can I go? It was really easy for me to fast and my coworkers got very used to me not eating with them pretty quickly then that's an awkward thing so this isn't even necessarily about travel but I think that it's an awkward thing for other people if you're not eating and they are and they get uncomfortable with that um nobody had an issue when I never when I never stopped eating (laughs) when I had just eaten a bunch of snacks before we all went out to dinner and then I went out for dessert but all of a sudden I was sitting at dinner and visiting and talking and I wasn't eating and then that's very uncomfortable for them
0: even when I wasn't carnivore yet um i would be sitting at dinner and i would order my salad with maybe sometimes some salmon and then my colleagues would order alcohol or they'll get um cake or you know some dessert and i wouldn't get it and then they would always peer pressure me to get it and i think that's the thing so it's not that they're awkward because you're not eating but it's i think it's very hyper focused on oh i wonder if she's judging what i'm eating right yes. or there's a little bit it's always about the other person so you know, in eating disorder therapy, sometimes they would do that too. So they would always have like therapists sitting with us teach us how to eat better. But sometimes they didn't want to eat. And so they would just hold a uh, like warm cup of tea, and then just sit there with us. And obviously with us with our eating disorders that was super uncomfortable because one we knew that they were naturally judging us and then on top of that they're not even eating the foods that we are being forced to eat but sometimes that may help just uh getting like a cup a drink or a soda or something that you can just kind of sit there i
1: will say now um today for instance back into end of 2020 and 2021, the more that the mask stuff has increased um, and not commenting on that specifically, but just saying like, I eat on the plane now and I plan my day around the fact that I want to eat on the plane just to give me a break from that. Because sometimes you have a long flight, you're wearing the mask, you know, during the whole time. Obviously, we know airlines are very strict about those things. I'm not trying to get kicked off a flight, but I would like a break. So I will eat on the plane. So that has been a difference for me lately where I intentionally plan to have my meal. So today I ate a bag of carnivore snacks. I might make my own jerky to bring. Um, you all know, I hate hard boiled eggs, but I sad to sit next to somebody who ate hard-boiled eggs on a flight once. Don't do that. <laughs> like, but I've also taken cold steak in a baggie and just opened up my bag and eaten cold steak. Um, a lot of people don't know this, but you actually can take ice or an ice pack through security and you can take food through security. You just can't take liquids like you can't take water, but you could take an ice pack so you could keep stuff cold or obviously steak could be at room temperature for a couple of hours, depending on like where you're coming from and everything. It wouldn't be that bad. Um, You know, things like cheese and pepperonis and, um, you know, depending on your goals and what you're eating you know my mom will take some nuts or something Um, there's a lot of options that you have to bring food on the plane uh, if that's what you want to do and to make sure you have something on hand and you don't have to worry about it I will say and I've learned this salt I mean who carries as much salt around as I do but a big container of salt will always set off security for some reason salt like shows up as you know some kind of Uh, material that they don't recognize on the x-ray and so I always have my containers of salt and I just go ahead and put them out in a little bowl so that way they don't have to dig through my whole bag and they just give me back my salt.
0: So even your
1: small like two three ounces that still gets flagged? No the little mini Redmond's the little tiny mini shakers those don't get uh, flagged it's only when I have my bigger stackable containers and obviously Mm -hmm. I bring like you know, today I have my stackable container that has butter in the big section. Like I have, Oh, I got to put that butter in the fridge. Actually. That's a good reminder. Um, I have my big thing of butter. I always bring some coarse, like my flaky salt that I love. And you see, we go to restaurants and I get my steak at the table and I always whip out my big flaky salt. And then I have some other fine grain salt that I like to have around as well. So, um, it's all because I travel often. I often, also don't have to replenish those every trip. And so I tend to carry a little bigger amount, but you know, I filled up my water bottle today, all the way full of ice. And I took that through security with me and nobody said anything. Um, because there was, there was no liquid in it, just ice. Oh, I didn't realize that you could take
0: ice because I, you know, one thing I was going to bring up is that I also carry my stainless steel, Water bottle, but I always make it empty, and then I'll just fill it with water inside the airport. But I didn't realize that you could take ice; that's pretty cool. But I knew the ice pack thing, so I should have just realized that you can also take
1: ice. So I randomly learned a lot of this stuff because I was nursing and pumping full time mm-hmm. for a year when I was traveling. And so with Nathaniel, after I had Nathaniel, I was went back traveling, and I, I if you want to know how to travel with breast milk, just ask me because I'm an expert at this point. And I had to teach a lot of TSA agents how to properly scan my breast milk and don't open it
0: (laughs) yeah that's pretty amazing um I remember for us um our company was willing to pay for our breast milk to be FedExed overnight and they would pay for that shipping but I just I never went through the experience because I got sick but that was like what I was planning on doing if I was going to start working but yeah that's that's pretty noble that you did that for a full year that's uh (laughs) pretty tough um i also used to just um start taking a lot of carnivorous food so like i would take like canned tuna and I, I used to limit a lot of canned foods and i still i guess like try to pick a uh, one or two canned foods instead of eating everything canned just because in case there's bpas and all the other things that people are always worried about but this is another one of those things where i don't think we should have to worry about all canned foods um in europe they have specialty stores where they only sell these like canned mussels and canned oysters and canned octopus. And that's all they sell. And I think sometimes it's okay to eat canned foods. It's not that big of a deal. I mean, if you can't get fresh, fresh oysters, I think sometimes having canned oysters is not bad, especially if you need more zinc and you don't want to eat like liver, for example. But nowadays I, um, I carry a lot more jerky. Like you mentioned, um, I, I try to find the low sugar ones because the, the standard beef jerkies have so much sugar. Like they have for every one ounce, they have about seven to eight grams of sugar, which is a lot. Um, that like, if you have like a few servings, it's, um, it'll definitely get you out of ketosis. So let's say some days you fast during the flight and then other days you do the carnivore um, snacks or other jerkies or you snack on foods. Um, then what do you do for the rest of your like days uh, working?
1: The biggest thing is planning. Um, I plan ahead as much as I can. I also have to constantly remind myself that like you don't need to eat three times a day. You'll be okay, and our bodies are flexible. And so if it just so happens that I get into a situation where there's nothing I can eat for lunch, I'm okay waiting until later to eat something. I do try to keep something on hand that I can eat myself. I'm actually really good at just figuring it out, but planning ahead is more than anything. I'm I'm lucky some most of the time I get to travel by myself, so obviously I could find a fast food restaurant with burger patties pretty quickly, um, on my way to or from work. Even if there was like most restaurants are going to have some sort of sandwich or some sort of. Um, burger option, even a salad with like grilled chicken. I could just ask for a couple sides of the grilled chicken. And so if I just needed something to hold me over until I could find a steak or I could get something else, um, I can be resourceful at that. I, you know, the biggest tip about going to restaurants that you don't know, especially if you're going with a group of people is just looking up the menu ahead of time. Yeah. Um, Call them. I've called ahead of time a lot. The last thing that I want to do is be sitting at a table with a bunch of my coworkers and asking the waitress a bunch or the server, I guess, a bunch of annoying questions and looking like a pain, you know, especially like when your boss is there and you're trying to or just coworkers in general and you're being a pain. What kind of oil are those wings cooked in? Can I have this? Can I have a burger patty with a side? Would you guys have egg? Can I put an egg on that burger patty? Like, I'll call ahead if I think it's going to get complicated. If it's not, if I look at the menu online and it doesn't look simple, I'll just call ahead and kind of talk through what my options are. So then when I get in the seat and I get the server in front of me, I can just say, this is what I want.
0: So do you, when you travel, do you normally have two meals or do you do OMAD? How do you
1: normally eat then? even when i was eating one meal a day before when i travel i tend to eat two meals a day mainly because it's it's costly for me to eat enough in one sitting at one time and i'm not going to lie sometimes it's super embarrassing and i don't want to do it like i don't want to eat two steaks at dinner and order a thing especially if like my boss is paying and i look like a jerk like ordering two expensive steaks nor do i while I, my company reimburses me for food, it doesn't pay for that much. And if I'm just ordering two big steaks, like I don't want to pay for that either. So I will say pretty much most of the time when I'm traveling, I always eat two meals because it's easier and it's cheaper. I can eat eggs and bacon from somewhere pretty easily. Um, A lot of times, you know, continental breakfast will have some sort of bacon and eggs or sausage. You have to be careful that it's all real ingredients. You're not getting like weird fake eggs. eggs. Yeah. Yeah. Like flour and the eggs and all that kind of stuff. And, and, but you know, it, it would be easy for me to find at most cafes and stuff I could find. So a lot of times I was eating, um, breakfast and dinner when I travel because finding something for breakfast is usually pretty affordable and easy. And then finding something later for dinner, whether it's a burger and. A side of something or a steak and a side of shrimp. I mean, we ate dinner at a bunch of restaurants and I had a steak with a side of shrimp or a steak and something on the side a bunch of times.
0: Yeah. And we're, so we're planning on traveling soon with my parents. And so whenever we do, we're like, okay, we need a lot of meat because both of my parents eat 99% of their meals is meat. And then same with my kids, same with me. And then, you know, Kevin is a little bit more flexible, but he still eats a lot of meat. And so, we get very limited, but we do very similar things as you. So one, we think of the restaurants that we can even go, we're going to Vegas soon. And so one of the things is, okay, so where can we get a bunch of meat? So one thing, one day for sure, we're like, okay, so we can do Korean barbecue one day. That's really easy. So we can eat a bunch of meat there. And another day, we might just do a steakhouse and then for lunch. And so since we're mostly all carnivore, it's easy because We all just need to eat about two meals a day and that's it. And so then we just need to take care of one other meal. We don't have to worry about the snacks and such. And so we'll probably do like a hamburger shop or somewhere that there's a lot of patties and like you said, eggs and bacon and things like that. Um, It seems like it's hard to travel and eat a meat-based diet, but I actually think it's kind of easy. It's just gets kind of pricey. That's the only thing. And then I have clients that are very sensitive. So they're like, I cannot eat out. And oftentimes they will bring their own chest freezer and they'll eat the meats that they can eat while they travel. And so they'll bring their own and then they'll maybe ask a restaurant or their hotel to cook it for them. And they just will give their rules of like, don't add oils or seasonings. And then that's how they'll eat it too. So it's really possible. It's just, like you said, it requires some more planning. Um, The steakhouses are more expensive, unfortunately.
1: And you, you know, a lot of times if you're going on a family vacation, you can get like a VRBO instead of a hotel. Potentially you can, obviously if you're staying with family, then they'd have kitchens available. Um, Or you can even get hotels with little kitchenettes in them and cook there. Bring your own meat thermometer. I'm Listen, I've traveled with the meat thermometer. Whenever I go to somebody's house and I know I'm going to be cooking. Um, I even asked you ahead of time before I came to your house, I was like, do you have a meat thermometer? (laughs) But you know, when we go visit family, we eat a lot of meat. I don't expect them to cook for me. I think that's the difference with vacations versus like going to somebody else's house. I don't expect somebody else to accommodate me. I just offer to cook and I offer to cook for them. Like, hey, I'll cook this main one main meal a day. If you want to add some sides to it, then feel free. But how can I would love to cook for you. And if obviously it's my family, so they're open to that. It would depend on your circumstances. But I agree with you. I think eating meat-based while you're traveling is very Easy. Yeah. Um, because everybody's gonna have a burger, a sandwich, some chicken, or a steak. It is not that hard. Like I am so flexible with my coworkers. I'm not gonna be the person in the group that's the jerk about like requiring where we go. It's like they all say where do you they're having the discussion about where you want to go. Pretty much they go to a Mexican restaurant, I'm gonna get sides of fajita meat. I don't pay for the whole fajitas. I just ask the servers, Hey, do you guys have an option? where you can add extra meat to your fajitas. And they usually say, yeah, it's like four ounces and it's, you know, $6. And I was like, great. Can I have like four of those sides, only the sides of the beef. And they're like, looking at me funny, but they're like, okay, no problem. Or they want to go to any kind of main normal, you know, like American style restaurant. I get a burger and just get no bun or, you know, um, The only thing where it does get a little difficult for me is when they cater places. Like a lot of times we have group events or group stuff where they cater. They do, um, you know, pasta, like some sort of Italian or some sort of like bowling alley food or stuff like that. And you know what? I plan ahead. I have so many times left the office to go to an event in the evening where I know they're going to have nothing but like appetizer food, stuff that's not really good for me. Or they're going to have pasta and stuff that and there's not really anything there I can eat. I drive through a Wendy's or a Carl's Jr. on the way, get a bunch of burger patties. And then everybody's so busy and hectic and having so much fun. Nobody even notices I don't yeah. eat. Yeah.
0: no, I And I think that's exactly right. People are more focused on what they're doing. So they may, one, not even notice. You know, I use a lot of the... I guess, methods that you just brought up. So I'm just not going to repeat it. But what what would you do if you don't have a lot of money, right? So let's say I can't afford the steaks. Um, like where where do you find the most economical steaks? And, um, you know, like, if I'm going to go on a five day trip, well, I don't want to eat beef patties from McDonald's every single day. That just seems like it gets like I get tired of doing that even once a week. So for you, if um, you know, what would be your tips eating out for almost a week? but you can't really afford $30 steaks every day at the restaurant.
1: I think the grocery store at that point is going to be your best option, whether it's a rotisserie chicken or you can have some deli meats or the meat and cheese roll-ups of some kind, you know, like you said, you know, if if you're really in that position, uh, I would find a hotel or wherever you're staying where you can cook and get yourself a kitchenette and then just kind of revert back to cooking at home. You could easily make some kind of, chicken salad out of canned chicken or canned tuna, um, like you mentioned, out of a few ingredients. You know, burger patties are one. I also love finding Greek restaurants because most Greek restaurants have some sort of kebab and they'll sell you the meat by the pound of yeah. some kind. So my local one at my office, I'll get chicken souvlaki, which is just like chicken kebabs marinated in their like, don't ask, like, this is where you got to see what are your goals? What is your health like? I'm fine with it. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Don't ask is what I say. <laughs> um, there's no sugar in it, but it does have some, a lot of Greek spices on it, which I love actually. And then they have a beef that they'll do like beef kebabs for me. And they'll sell me those beefs by the pound. Um, wings, oh, wings are another really good option to eat out. I know that oils, I've called restaurants ahead of time and said, hey, what oil do you fry your wings in. And sometimes I'm like, oh, okay. It's not ideal, but whatever. I'll eat it. But if they say like soy oil, I'm like, okay, that's not, that's not on my list of like, even ever, yeah. um, you know, we, we places like Buffalo wild wings, um, fry their wings and beef towels. So that's a good option. Right. Um, th- things like that work. I'm trying to think, what are my other, what are some of your other go-tos? Do you know where you guys eat out in general? So what else do you eat out
0: Well, I feel like the way that I handle the economics with eating out is um, I will eat a little bit like if I know that we're going to go to a restaurant where they're not serving hefty amounts of meat in a serving, I don't want to order two servings of it just to be economical so my lunch will be bigger in that day and so my dinner i can eat a like six ounce meat or fish or whatever it is but i'm okay knowing that it's smaller because i planned ahead and i ate a bigger lunch and then sometimes i'll just snack on jerky when i get back home or something so i'll do that but that that means that any restaurant works for me in that sense but if you're doing i guess like sometimes uh once in a blue moon um we will go to like a place um like Golden Corral. And I know that place uses the worst oils and everything. But I'll stick to just the meat. And sometimes it even tastes kind of sweet. So I bet you they even add sugars. But once in a while, I'll do that. And that's much more economical than buying a steak, you know, like those 30 $40 steaks at restaurants. But I mean, otherwise, it's the beef patties, right? So we'll go to In-N-Out's, Wendy's, McDonald's, or um, Burger King has um, some decent ones, too. But in general, I don't like doing that long term because I get really sick of beef patties. Um, I honestly, sometimes when I travel, like I said, I will carry an extra can of sardines or um, oysters and I'll bring it to the restaurant. I know it's kind of ghetto and my husband used to be so embarrassed that I would do that. But I'm like, (laughs) they don't have enough meat and I don't want to pay for double the meat. So um, that's how sometimes I do it. But In general, if it's like my parents, too, and they have hefty appetites, we do the all-you-can-eat, and we'll typically go to the all-you-can-eat barbecue. But oftentimes with them, we just eat at home because it gets very pricey for all three of us carnivores plus the kids to eat
1: out. I'm the same way. I also just have to remind myself, which is – that's why I do two meals when I eat when I travel, too – that I have to remind myself a lot that like you don't need to eat just because everybody else is. And this isn't about them. This is about me, right? We're having all day meetings or you're with a group of people and everybody else starts snacking around nine o'clock or they all start snacking around two o'clock. I don't have to do that. I'm not a snacker at home. So like, why do I feel the need suddenly? Like when I'm in a group situation or the minute I get on an airplane or the minute I am hanging out with other people, I feel the need to start snacking as well. And the same thing, like if I can't find anything in the moment, it's pretty easy for me to fast. But um, I don't, you know, I think that, oh, another option, I guess I didn't even mention is we said for cutting back on cost is a breakfast stuff. Like there's a lot of places, there's a lot of diners, a lot of cafes, a lot of things like that. You know, getting eggs and Cracker Barrel or eggs and bacon and things like that, omelets, you know, be careful and, and just clarify with them to make sure that it's real eggs, that they're not adding you know, the whole IHOP adds pancake yeah. batter to their omelets to make them fluffier. So just, you know, make sure you know what it is that you're getting. But um, there's a lot of good options when you kind of forget about the fact that breakfast food is only for breakfast.
0: Yeah. When we go to a Mexican restaurant often and the kids will just get the breakfast tacos because the they give a lot more eggs and bacon and then we add a little bit of cheese and then they just don't eat the tortilla or sometimes they have one of the tortillas, but They that will have a lot more food than if they were to just get just the meat tacos. And so we get a blend of that. But that becomes much like one breakfast taco might be $2, whereas the little steak taco might be $3. And so we'll get like two steaks and then maybe to uh, breakfast tacos, and that's much more economical. And then we just get filled. There's ways to make it economical, but it might just be a little, it might just not be beef only um, when you're traveling, but that's just where you have to figure out how you can do this. One thing I noticed that's hard for me that, uh, you know, as we're talking about all of this is the road trip. So I don't know if it's a Korean thing. I don't know if it's an American thing. But even when I was growing up, my family would snack while we did road trips. And so my husband is a big time snacker. And that was one thing that really I had to get used to. And so at first I did beef jerky. Then I tried some chewing some gum. But I noticed I did feel like a sense of loss. Like, oh, I don't get to partake in this whole snacking, eating fruits and whatever else they do. But the beef jerky has helped a lot. Um, sometimes I'll like be going into the gas stations and see, okay, what different kinds of beef jerkies do they have? And maybe I'll get the one with the least amount of sugar to partake in this kind of ritual. But in general, I think being carnivore is a blessing because like you said, we're not as hungry. We don't need a snack as much. And sometimes I could just say, I don't need it. And that's good enough.
1: I I think you said it exactly. It's a ritual. It's, it's that tradition. It's making memories that are around food. I mean, packing right. for road trip snacks is the biggest thing. And so Do that in the beginning, find replacements, use the string cheese and the homemade jerkies and the sausage links and the pepperonis and, you know, whatever it is that you need to get you through cold steak, cold chicken, use some cold rotisserie chicken or grill up a bunch of chicken thighs and take like, do that in the beginning. So you can feel a part of it. But over time it's about, for me, it was about replacing those habits with other things and other memories and playing games with my kids in the car or just doing other things. Now I appreciate the alone time. I appreciate the money that I save. And I also appreciate the time that I save not eating as much when I'm traveling. But I mean, I even, I think I did an Instagram post for a while ago about like the grief that I have about breaking up with gas stations, like gas station food is, was my heart. Like I couldn't go into a gas station without dropping at least 10 bucks on some kind of snacks and more, more times than not, it was like twenty, thirty dollars at a time. Like that's huge for me. I couldn't go into a gas station for like a year because I didn't trust myself. Um, and it definitely is a ritual, and it's about—it's really hard to break that. And I think in the beginning, you have to find other replacements for those things. I think um, the
0: word you used along um, in a previous podcast, but having bridge foods you temporarily use until you're kind of over you um, over the ritual, or you use a different habit is super important. I mean, I think long term, all of those snacks don't really help. Because for me, I was using those as snacks, like if I got really busy, I would use those instead of eating meals. And I noticed I was gaining weight on them, because they're easy to overeat. And they may not give you as much of the nutrient density. So yeah, I think they're good bridge foods. But over time, um, just got to figure out what makes sense for you in the long
1: when term. When people tell me they're not hungry enough for an, a meal, or I just don't, I'm not craving meat. I'm not hungry enough. When I dig into asking them questions about it, nine times out of 10, it's because they're snacking. And if I'm snacking, if I'm eating, then I'm not hungry for a meal. And so that's a wholly different topic, but you know, it's, it's definitely, um, huge, huge, huge problem for me. I want to say two things. And the first one is if you, If you're going on a family vacation and you decide you want to eat whatever you want to eat, we don't care. Eat what you want to eat. Go off, eat your grandma's cooking, eat the food that's in New Orleans. If you're going to go to Italy, eat some Italian food, like do that. I'm, you know, I know that I'm not in a place that I can handle that. I did that for so many years and I know now I can't just eat what I want on the day, one day of vacation or pick one food that I want to eat. That's a treat. I'm just going to like go off the rails the whole time. And I don't need to be eating gas station food just because I'm in a different state. Like that's the same stuff that's back at my house because I know I'm going to end up eating all of the bad stuff for the entire time that I'm traveling. Um, And it's going to just really set me back. So just to say that we're not saying you even have to be strict when you travel. We're just, Obviously talking for right. options, like if that's what you wanted to do. The last time we went to Korean barbecue,
0: I picked at the kimchi and I picked at some of the other veg- veggies. I will say they add sugar for sure because it's so sweet. But um, yeah, I, there's no dogma. If you can handle it, if you can try things and it doesn't set you off or it doesn't get you in um, having an immune response, then I think it's good to be flexible. I always say true healing is when you're able to eat kind of everything, but you're choosing to eat mostly meat because it makes you feel the best. But if you only eat meat because that's the only thing you tolerate and everything else makes you sick, Um, that I, in my point of view is still like, there needs to be some healing. And then if there's just healing in terms of your relationship with food, that's something different that, you know, like you Laura are working on and I'm working on my own too. I mean, but I, I like try to test myself now because I want to also empathetically understand my clients that do want to add back plants that are saying, Hey, I'm eating meat as I heal. But one day I would love to be able to sometimes eat some berries or, um, go somewhere on my birthday and then maybe have some cake and be okay with it. And, and I think that's really important to have that flexibility and at least have the ability. And then you can decide if you want to do it or not. Um, and so if many of the people that are listening, if you can, go on vacation and then have the pizza in Italy or the pasta and you do fine and then you can just get back on it. That is honestly, in my opinion, super
1: ideal. Like, you know, but I'm jealous of that. (laughs) I know for me, like I say this often, but isolation feeds my addiction and I'm traveling right now for my job. I'm alone. I'm in a hotel room alone. It would be very easy for me to go back to a lot of old habits, which is why I don't have even if I need to have snacks on hand for the office and things, I don't have anything in the hotel room. I can't have I don't even eat my meals here. I will go out and sit in a restaurant by myself, which I actually love, I'm not going to lie. Um I will go to a restaurant and sit there by myself rather than coming back to the room because I I need to break some of those habits that I used to have um in getting out and getting away from all that. So all that to say, that was my first thing. And I had a second point. And the second point is, if you decide to stay on track, don't be so hard on yourself and so obsessed with perfection that you completely throw yourself off. When I travel, I always talk about the pick one thing that's, the, that's your one thing and everything else you could be more flexible about, right? So my one thing when I travel is what I eat. I will stay carnivore. I will be strict with carnivore and what I eat. When I eat, how much I eat is completely up in the air because I have to be flexible with when I can find food that I can eat, where it is, how much did I get, you know, too much today, did I get not enough. Maybe some days I'll eat three meals just because you know what, there happened to be three really good options for me at mealtime, so I'll eat three meals. Um, and maybe sometimes I'll have a snack because everybody else is having one and I'm going crazy and I just want to feel normal for a second, and so I'll eat something. But my what I eat is completely clean and I can always fall back on feeling successful because I have stayed strong in my what I eat, my one non-negotiable thing. And I think that's really good. I mean, that goes back to
0: the whole like win your day. And I think that makes a lot of sense. I'm the same way as you. Sometimes I'm like, okay, I'll try a little bit of my kids, whatever they're eating or my husband's. But in general, like 99% of my meals are uh, meat based. And then if I know I have like an upcoming interview where I need to be super sharp, have some ketones, I'll even get stricter. And that always, no matter what happens, makes me feel mentally okay. And that's what um, matters the most. And so, Yeah, I think it's just figuring out what makes sense for you. I know for my husband, um, when he travels, he eats a lot more junk food, for sure. I see it all the time. But then he gets back and but he's a moderator, right? He can do that. My dad's the same way. But then my mom, as soon as they get back home, they eat only meat. And then you know, so he goes through this grieving period of sugar for sure. But Um, And then they get back on it. But I can't do that as easily as them. So I won't even do, like, if they're eating ice cream, I'm not going to really eat it or any of that stuff. And I just, you know, maybe I'll flex a little bit more. But in general, I stay really, really meat-based because then I know there will be a period that I have to, you know, get off the sugar, like my body's still craving sugar or something, and it's just not worth it. And so, but it's also been over almost four years for me now that I've been going through this. So it's just easier to stay Kind of carnivore, but you have to do what works for you, and if you're a moderator, I think that's great. And if you can tolerate other foods, that's great, but just figure out what yeah. makes sense and don't be so hard on yourself.
1: I think, in general, tips you know, tips for eating out is don't be afraid to ask for what you want. If you're going to be in a restaurant, obviously plan ahead, look at the menu ahead as much as possible, call ahead, but also don't be afraid to ask what you want. Like, if they have if they serve breakfast. And they also have burgers on the menu. Just ask for a burger with no bun. First of all, it's, you know, so easy to do that. But then don't be afraid to say like, hey, I see you guys have eggs for breakfast. Is there any way you could put an egg on that burger patty for me? Or it's dinner time, but can I get a couple eggs on the side instead of the french fries? You will be, they might say no. A lot of these chain restaurants, when you ask for a discount, if you don't get sides, places like Texas Roadhouse and stuff, they just, that's it. You pay the same price whether you get the sides or not. And there's no other options for sides. But a lot of places are more flexible and you would be surprised at the number of places where I go, where I'm like, I don't need, I don't need the bread. I don't need the potatoes and I don't need any of the veggies. Can I just have bacon as a side instead of those other things? And they're like, sure, why not? And it really just depends on how big of a chain it is. The more local the restaurant and the more, you know, single owned it is, the more willing they are to accommodate a lot of those things.
0: Yeah, and you can also ask for your steak a la carte. Some place, like you were saying, uh, Texas Roadhouse won't do that, but some places they make it significantly cheaper if you're literally only getting the meat. So, you know, get creative. Planning is super important. And then always just have your stack of emergency foods that kind of you could just carry, whether it's canned foods, whether it's jerkies, uh, whether it's, you know, other foods. I mean, there are many options that you can kind of just... Uh, toe with you and, um, will help you to stay successful. Anywhere
1: that you travel is going to have a grocery store. Um, obviously we didn't have, not mentioned pork rinds in this podcast at all, but that's also a good option, um, for, for a lot of people. Um, and I think more than anything, like you'll be Okay. It's just, we all want to go on vacation. We want to have fun. It's about making memories that don't have to do with food necessarily uh, and not being so stressed out about what and when you're going to eat that you can't enjoy the people that you're with and the time that you're with or focus on for me, like focus on my job. It's actually really nice for me to not think about food because when I was a car beater, the amount of time and effort that I spent into worrying about when and how I was going to get some sort of food without looking like a pig is really emotionally exhausting and i i know i'm a much better worker and person in my job because i don't have this obsession constantly hanging inside of me and this these you know these secrets that i have to worry about filling these needs all the time
0: yeah i had i mean i had the same things i mean i when we would have to go to dinner i would look at the menu for other reasons like what can i get away with eating So I can look normal, but have my eating disorder. And then if I ate too much, like then I would kind of go off the rails. So I totally get it. I mean, that level of stress, you know it's like we can grieve that maybe we can't eat everything every single thing that's available during vacation but then we have to always remember how hard it was when we were in those moments on vacation and then how crappy we felt after or all the other days we're not on vacation and we just don't have that food freedom and we're really chained to our diet and then all the ailments that comes physically and mentally from that and for me, that's why, you know, we're going to Vegas to celebrate my birthday. And as much as Kevin's like, where do you want to go? I'm like, I really don't care. Food is just fuel to me. And he's like, let's go to a fancy steak place. I'm like, I eat that all the time, you know? So, but it's just, but it's nice that it's like that instead of me thinking, oh my gosh, am, um, am I going to get triggered by the cake or anything? It's like, I don't need a cake, right? It's just, it's, it's nice. It's ironically, I have more freedom now than I ever have before.
1: Yeah, and I think that's why both of us choose to stay strict because we've realized that that abstinence is much more freeing for us uh, overall. Yeah. Thanks guys so much for listening. We mentioned that we are going to read our review. So if you left us a review on Apple podcasts, we really appreciate it. I'm going to read a uh, one that we got right now. This is a five-star review from Perfectly Imperfect Clara. Carnivore explained without the dogma. Thank you, Judy and Laura for this dogma free podcast. I have loved every episode so far and you both have been a great motivation to keep going even while not seeing the results as quickly as I wished. Keep it up. And Clara, thank you for your review and keep it up. Clara, stick with it. Have some patience. You'll get there.
0: Yes. Carnivore is such a healing diet. Sometimes it's not immediate, but I definitely recommend it. Okay. Um, The next one comes from Ashley SB underscore uh, CA. Awesome podcast. I love listening to these ladies. They both bring something different to the podcast. Judy is so knowledgeable, and (laughs) Laura. Sorry, let me read that again.
1: (laughs) Why is that funny?
0: I think it's because she they said something different to the podcast, and it's like I didn't because I'm not
1: the smart one. You're the smart one, Judy. You're the smart one. I don't know why well, I'm laughing. That
0: <laughs> Laura, you are smart. Otherwise, you couldn't do this. Okay, hold on. Let me reread this. Okay, um, Judy is so knowledgeable, and Laura is so relatable. Been following them both for a few years. Thanks for making this podcast happen. Thank you. Um, I did a post not that long ago where you know I shared the real life versus um social media, the internet. And, you know, I think we really just wanted to share a little bit about a little bit more behind the scenes, a little bit more of the good, bad and ugly, the real life. And just, you know, we are part of this community and we really want to help others. And this also just helps us too, right? While we're going through our own journeys and just talking about real issues. And we assume that if we're going through it or if we're feeling certain things and maybe others in the community are also going through it and it could be wins and it can also be losses. And I think the most important thing is that we have communication and we talk about these things and don't just share all the beauty of carnivore, but also talk about the difficult things, the hard things that come up, the things in life that just may affect our lives that then may affect our diet, but Hey, it's okay. And like, this is what real community is all about.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely, I'm happy to be a part of it, and it's a good time for us to catch up. And it helps keep me; just gives me. I feel like gives me some place to kind of share thoughts more than I can on on a post. So, thank you.
0: Yeah, thanks, guys, for being here. Bye, guys. Thanks for tuning in to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to share and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. This helps us to share real talk with more community members. You can also find my other podcast, Nutrition with Judy, on all podcast channels. You can also follow my content on Nutrition with Judy's Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find Carnivore Care in paperback, ebook, and audio on Amazon. I also have a blog post and weekly newsletter with nutrition and wellness updates. You can sign up at nutritionwithjudy.com. You can find Laura on Instagram at Laura Eastbath. You can follow along on her daily stories and see some of her funny skits. You can also find Laura on our YouTube channel where she shares tips on living a meat-based lifestyle. If you're wondering how much meat to eat in a day, week, or month, Laura has you covered. She also shares how to make a perfect sear on a steak and how extended fasting looks like in real life. You can find our YouTube channel by searching Laura's Bath. Thank you again for joining us. And remember, make sure to cut against the grain. Thanks for tuning in to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to share and leave us a review and leave any comments and questions on Apple Podcasts. We will read and answer your questions and comments on an upcoming podcast episode. This also helps us to share our real talk with more community members. You can also find me on my other podcast, Nutrition with Judy, on all podcast channels you can also follow my content on nutrition with judy's instagram youtube facebook and twitter you can find carnivore cure in paperback ebook and audio on amazon i also have a blog post and weekly newsletter with nutrition and wellness updates you can sign up at nutritionwithjudy.com you can find laura on instagram at laura eastbath you can follow along on her daily stories and see some of her funny skits You can also find Laura on her YouTube channel where she shares tips on living a meat-based lifestyle. If you're wondering how much meat to eat in a day, week, or month, Laura has you covered. She also shares how to make a perfect sear on a steak and how extended fasting looks like in real life. You can find her YouTube channel by searching Laura's bath. Thanks again for listening to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. And remember, make sure to cut against the grain.